This is Van Color with your host, man about town and lover of all French fries, Mo Amir. This is Van Color. My name is Mo Amir, and today on This is Van Color, I'm joined by a lovely radio host who brightens up our weekday mornings in Vancouver playing what she wants. An alumnus of BCIT's broadcast journalism program, she co-hosted The Jeff O'Neill Show on CFOX 99.3 FM for six years until moving to Saskatoon, where she was a reporter and weather presenter with Global News and a Radio Morning Show co-host on The Karis and Joel Show on 96.3 Cruise FM. You may also know her for her podcast, The Karis Report, a one-woman show about current events and her life events, which I believe has resurfaced with new episodes, but we'll talk about that in a bit. She's made some of your favorite celebrities laugh. She's partied at the Playboy Mansion. She's one of the co-hosts of Jeff, Karis, and Paul on Jack 96.9 FM keeping you company in the morning every weekday from 5.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. She is Karis Hogg. Karis! Mo! How are you? I am so great. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy to meet you. It's it's a long time coming, I feel like, and now we're here. Yes, I and, know. And you couldn't have come at a better time because... All of July was so much drama for the podcast that I just wanted to chill out and have like a fun, oh, easygoing one. Then this, you have come <laughs> to the right woman. Chill out. Let's be easygoing. It's my favorite thing. Right? But let's yes. not chill out like right away. Okay. Okay. I've heard that you are no stranger to political controversy. Mm, well, I, what exactly do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Ten years ago, yes, you generated a lot of heat when Carol James, who is the leader of the BCNDP, posed with you for a photo. Uh -huh. Can you walk me down memory lane? Wow. This would be back before the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. Mm -hmm. It was 2009, I believe. Yeah. And we had on the Jeff O'Neill show at the time... Uh, T-shirts made that said resist 2010 bitches. Referring to the Olympics. Referring to the Olympics, yes. And it was actually something that Scotty saw in an alley <laughs> by his house, I think. It was like spray painted on the side of the wall. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we decided that it was pretty hilarious. Yeah. And, and, you know, captured that uh, angst that, that existed in the city at the time about the Olympics. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of excitement, but then there was, a, there were a lot of people who were concerned about it and concerned about what was happening leading up to the there Olympics. There were people that were angry about Very, it. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a dramatic time. Mm -hmm. And so the Resist 2010 Bitches that was written on this wall in spray paint became, uh, you know, something we talked about a lot on the show and we decided to put it on T-shirts. I think we even got magnets made. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, my brother moved to Edmonton recently and yeah. I was in his basement and he has this old fridge down there and he has one of those magnets. I'm like, what? You got one of them? He's like, yeah, I still have a magnet. I think I've lost That's all amazing. of mine, but he's still got his. Oh, a collector Vancouver trivia item. That's right. That's exactly it. So we were so wearing a Resist 2010 Bitches t-shirt. All three of you. Yeah, I do believe so. Okay. I think so. I or can't remember. If maybe was it, it was you? just, I don't know if it was just me. I can't remember. I don't know. Maybe okay. we were all wearing them. It was just me. But we were posing with Carol James in mm -hmm. this photo because she had come on the show mm -hmm. and we were talking to her about lots of stuff. I'm sure we also chatted Olympics. Um, but this photo then got people a little upset because, because of the shirts that we were wearing. Uh, and, you know, there were a lot of people who were like, well, what do you mean resist 2010? Like, this is the Olympics. We're excited. Mm -hmm. And so so she she was uh, she felt a little heat for that. Were they upset about the resist 2010 or the bitches part? Probably more the bitches, but I think it's the combination, <laughs> really. It was all a bad formula, bad look. I think so. I mean, you know, we were a pretty out there radio station mm -hmm. at the time. I, re show, I should say. I mean, station overall, you know, it was 
it was a, a it's, it was like a modern alternative rock station, mm-hmm. and we were the morning show, and we did we kind of did some crazy stuff. Sure, this actually made the evening news. There's yeah, a, did there's it? a clip online that's still online. Really? Oh, about, I should that's try how and find I, that because I do remember this incident because I'm a bit of a political junkie and always have been. But yeah. I remember this incident, and then I in researching you found this clip on YouTube still. And it's really funny because they keep saying the word bitches on, <laughs> on TV, <laughs> like on a very serious. Oh, ra- um, I love that. You know, like on a newscast. Yeah, on a six p.m. Resist twenty ten, bitches, <laughs> which is magic. I I love it. And she's having to, and it's such a silly and bizarre thing because she's having to explain like. You know, they're irreverent and it's a joke. And they're like, but do you think it was appropriate to pose in a photo? (laughs) Everybody chill out. Come on. It was a T-shirt. I think you cost her the election. (laughs) You think so? Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's dramatic. We could be living rent-free. We still wouldn't have Uber, but we could be living (laughs) rent-free if it wasn't for you and your T-shirts. Oh, man. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I had no idea. Think about that one. I I will. I'm going to ruminate on that. I want to bring back that T-shirt. I have an idea to revamp it. Okay. On the front. Yes. Keep, keep it the original. Resist 2010 bitches. Yeah. On the back. Mm-hmm. Persist 2020 witches. Whoa. Right? Wow. And then whether it's Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren, hopefully it's a it's a female candidate from... From the uh, Democrats, maybe yes. Tulsi Gabbard. That's yes. their shirt now. And this this is the new incarnation of that. Right? <laughs> I like it. Do it up. You can make one. Would you wear it? Would I? Yeah, sure. So you didn't sound that excited. Yes. No, I will. Of course, Mo. You make me a t-shirt. I'll wear it. All right. I'll figure this out. I even have a, a brand name for it. Okay. Okay. This is our new clothing line. All right. Carmo. Karma. Wow. It's like right? together. And kind of karma. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's karma. Like, right. 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 I like that you've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> I just that want makes that t shirt. <laughs> I want that t shirt that says resist 2010 bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you know what? I think I'm sure I must still have one of those somewhere. I've lost the magnet, but I have the shirt. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. D- dig it up. Yeah. Well, you know, when you work in radio, you end up with a lot of t shirts. Sure. Yeah, for various occasions, because you get T-shirts made up for this promotion, that promotion, whatever station you happen to work for. You're just a walk-in billboard. Yes. <laughs> radio paraphernalia. When you work in radio long enough, you amass quite a lot of it. Yeah. Rain to, jackets. Do you have to wear Jack FM stuff outside of work? Uh, yeah, for for station events. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know when you're when you're showing up and you're you know you're doing an event, you right wear right. the station colors. So yeah, I'd have Jack ninety six nine. I have I have Jack ninety six nine paraphernalia. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I got All some right. sweet orange shades. <laughs> my baseball cap. Yeah. Yeah. On the topic of the outrage over the word bitches and resisting the Olympics. Do you think that we are too sensitive? I mean, you're on radio, you're hearing from callers as well, you're seeing what's going on online. Do you think we're, we just are way too sensitive to things like that? Because the Carol James thing, when we look at it in retrospect, it is pretty silly. Yeah. That she got heat for that. Like, yeah, exactly. Why? I think now with people able to just blurt out whatever they want to the world and Mm -hmm. have a platform via Twitter, um, as an example, I think what happens is people forget that it's different to have your inside voice, right? We all have inside voices. Right. Um, it's then projecting whatever that inside voice may be at whatever time to the general public and put it out there for everybody, literally everybody in the world to read. Sure, yeah. I think... People forget that that actually means essentially what you're doing is you're saying things that you should be comfortable walking out in front of a mass group of people saying Mm -hmm. literally like if you were to walk onto a stage in front of thousands of people, would you say what you just said? Because that's what you're doing. Yeah. And I think if you think of it that way, you realize, oh, hmm, I guess maybe I should probably think 
think about what I'm saying and thinking and think more about your audience, which is in this case, literally everyone. Mm -hmm. So choose your words carefully. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. To, to have to, to to sort of take a minute to reflect, okay, wait a second, what am I actually saying here? And it's not that those thoughts are horrible thoughts and you should never have them, but they're your <laughs> inside thoughts. They're the ones that they should be in your own head or shared with people in your very close circle. You know, you can have, but not broadcast to the entire world. Thoughts that you can have, uh, you know, a private discussion with somebody and you can really let loose and say what you think and blah, because it felt good to just get it out there. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to making it public, think about what you're saying and think about how that might affect somebody else. Mm-hmm. You should consult the president of the United States. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not him specifically, but I'm thinking of someone who is on Twitter or Facebook and they just constantly write in caps because they're, mad all the yeah. time and I'm like that's a terrible inside voice if that is your inside <laughs> yeah. voice. Are you that angry all the time? And right. the answer is probably. Yeah, I would imagine so. And it and it's interesting because I think social media, Twitter, Facebook has a similarity to driving a car. Somehow behind a steering wheel or behind a computer screen, people feel like they have complete free license to be assholes. Yes. Whereas in their normal functioning life, they might be totally normal people. But you'll be, have you ever sat with a friend who just drives like a maniac and you're like, what are you doing? Like, calm down. Yeah. yeah. But suddenly they get behind this wheel and, and they're in this avatar, this physical avatar of a car. Yeah. And they just... And they're not thinking. That's exactly it. And it's different if you were if you were to be walking a pedestrian, you're walking across a street and you kind of start to walk into another person. Oh, you know, d- and you jog and you go the other way. Sure. But if you're in a car, all of a sudden, like you said, you're you can't see that other per that other driver. You you're not having that sort of human contact, and so you oh, get out of my way, and you're all of a sudden angry. Yeah. So it, I think you're absolutely right. It's a it's a reasonable comparison. And and what's more concerning for me also is that. I think a lot of people, and again, not most people, but the people that are online, there is a proportion of them that are just there to get mad about something, to be outraged about something, to flex on their either their progressivism or their conservatism or whatever crew they want to be part of. They just want to flex about how virtuous they are in that sect. And I think this is what's contributing to vast rifts in our society. Mm-hmm. Instead of being more mingly and collective somewhere in the middle, we're splitting apart more to one side and the other because yeah. of just exactly what you said. Yeah. Now, you were just in Saskatoon for a few years. Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Did you find this culture... To exist there as well? Or do you think this outrage culture, social media stuff is a lot more cosmopolitan? No, I think it's everywhere. Yeah. I think that's the wild thing about uh, the Internet. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah. No matter where you are, where your computer is, you know, you can get angry and find like minded, angry people. Mm -hmm. uh, No matter no matter where you are. I mean, I I think, yeah, I, I in a lot of ways, I didn't really find that many huge differences in culture between Saskatoon and Vancouver. Really? Honestly. Okay. I mean, Vancouver is, of course, just overall much more liberal minded. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that you can say that compared to any city east of here, pretty much. I think Maybe, the, more, yeah. the more west you go, the more liberal you get. You know, you head out to the island. A, but I think it's a coastal thing. It will absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly it. I, I wonder think what the science is there. Like you're just <laughs> I don't know. huffing ocean air all the time. So you're just way more chill. <laughs> Maybe. But honestly, I think the further, you know, the further west you go, the more chill it gets. And, yeah. and from here east, uh, it's not just generally, you know, this is where you find sort of the most this is where you find the hippies. Right? Sure. More so than anywhere else in terms of a collection and of of people who think that way. Yeah. Saskatoon, conservative, liberal, 
kind of it's in the a mix. It's a mix, just like anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, it really is. It's a big mix. You know, there's there's a thriving music and art culture in Saskatoon. Oh, really? okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And and there are also uh, you know, more conservative minded farm people generally. Mm-hmm. Not to say that everybody who lives on a farm is conservative and not to say that every artist is you know, left leaning, sure. but you know, those kind of generalizations that, but it's, it's a mix. I'd, I'd say it's kind of, uh, in the city anyway, mm-hmm. it feels like in that way, it sort of feels like here, you know, you find your conservatives and you find your progressives and, yeah. you know, and then there's some people in the middle. That's really how it and felt of, to and me. And of course it is. Now I feel silly asking that. I've <laughs> no, just never don't. been to Saskatoon. That's I don't know what fair, it's like. That's a fair question. You've never <laughs> been there. That's Okay. I did, however, dig up an article in the Saskatoon Star Phoenix yeah. from 2012, uh-huh. and you're in it, and you talk about how your partner couldn't find a teaching job in Vancouver, and he's from Saskatoon, so he, with you in tow, brings you to Saskatoon, yeah. you move there, and in the article you say, the lower cost of living is a big incentive for raising a family in Saskatoon. Now, you came back last year, 2018. I think there's a, t- a shortage of teachers here, but also I feel like the cost of living <laughs> is astronomically <laughs> higher than it was in 2011. Oh, yeah. Have you noticed it? Yeah, I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I've noticed. Um, it, when I <laughs> when I told friends and family that we were moving back to Vancouver, they were like, uh, what? <laughs> Nobody moves back to Vancouver. We all leave because we can't afford to live here. What right. are you doing? Um, but it honestly, it just, uh, career wise with the oper- the fabulous opportunity at Jack and just sort of a, a calling from the West coast and a sort of a guttural feeling like uh, this is where we need to go when things are most expensive. It, absolutely. Yeah. Like, Hey, let's just throw <laughs> caution to the wind and see what happens. <laughs> well, I think the city is lucky to have you back. Thank you. Outside of perhaps the most obvious thing being housing, was anything else more expensive than you remembered? Uh, Parking. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Parking's way more expensive (laughs) here. Although, do you know what I love about Vancouver Mm -hmm. and what I missed a lot when I was in Saskatoon? Mm -hmm. Transit. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. That's good to hear. I love the transit in Vancouver, and it's just not the same uh, in Saskatoon. Okay. I mean, Saskatoon is a much smaller city. I don't want to dump on Saskatoon, but, but <laughs> you honestly, there. you can dump all you want, <laughs> do it. <laughs> but, but really, I mean, it's, I, I think, I think, you know, what they need to do is they need to understand that if you build it, they will come mm-hmm. because that's the discussion that they're having in that city right now is, you know, okay, well, let's improve transit. And people are were saying, well, I don't want to take transit. It's terrible. It's like, well, if you don't make it good, people won't use it. I mean, that's how it works. Yeah. And it's and I love being in a city now where I can I don't have to rely on my car. And mm-hmm. I mean, in Saskatoon, it's pretty hard to bike year round. Let me tell you, you're not biking in minus 45. Sure. I mean, some very hardcore people do, but I'd say that's probably like 15 people in the whole city mm-hmm. bike year round in Saskatoon. So, you know, I it's really nice to have options like I literally love taking transit. Mm-hmm. So I'm so happy to be able to do that again. In that seven year gap where you were gone and returned, I presume you probably came back and visited. But was there anything different about the city aside from the cost of living? Was there anything that kind of took you by surprise? Uh, gradually over the years, because, yeah, I I come I would come back at least once a year mm-hmm. uh, over those eight years. Um, I, you know, from thinking back to eight years ago, I think I've definitely noticed in general, I think traffic is worse. Yeah. Yeah. Cost of living, of course, way up. But also, I think the roads are just more congested than they used to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that harks back to your claim about transit, where if you build it, then people will start using it. Yeah, (laughs) if it's good, if the system is good and it's efficient and and it gets you where you need to go, absolutely. And I think they'll... I mean, I don't want to get into a policy thing about transit, but... <laughs> Let's talk transit, Mo. Be, it's so sexy. Right? Yeah. yeah. They'll build more of it, hopefully. <laughs> they need to. What do you love and hate about Vancouver? Let's start with love. 
brush like brush through love really quickly and then we'll get to what you hate <laughs> about Vancouver. Because there's so much to love. The <laughs> list everyone says goes the same everyone says the same stuff. The mountains, the ocean, the beauty, the nature, the food. Yeah. Uh you know, the fact that I'm from here, this is my home, mm-hmm. so my family and friends are here. Roots. Yes, roots. Absolutely. It's wonderful. Okay. I, I love all of that. Now let's trash this place. What do you hate about Vancouver? <laughs> shit all over it. Oh, I don't know that there's anything that I really hate. I mean, I hate the fact that it costs so much to try and find a house. Sure. But honestly, I, I don't know that I can say that there's anything that I really hate about it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I, I mean, feel- it's, not, it's not perfect, but I can't say that it's like, oh, there's this thing that I... Yeah, I think there's also a segment of our society that likes to trash their city <laughs> in terms of just like ripping on it or saying like, oh, we cost it's too expensive and the cost of living sucks and there's no transit or whatever. And that's almost a Vancouver thing, too, of just like being down on your own <laughs> or uh, it rains I, all the time. Yes. Right? But you know what? I think that is, as you said, th- that exists anywhere you go. Okay. Anywhere. Yeah. I mean, if people are going to get down on living in Vancouver for various reasons, because of course there are, no place is perfect. Here I am I thinking mean, I'm a unique mis- <laughs> misanthrope, the misanthrope, and like you're you're telling me I'm not. It's just normal. Every place has a place that has people that dump on the place where they are. Yeah. Fair enough. You talk a lot about gender stereotypes. This is an awkward segue. I apologize. But segu. We're going to segu here. We're going to segu here. Let's take a turn. You uh, you discuss a lot in terms of gender stereotypes. And I feel like gender has really become this hot button issue now. On one hand, with the whole LGBTQ perspective and how people are looking at gender, but then also from a s- feminist perspective with regards to gender roles. And that's what I want to talk about, because I'm not LGBTQ, and I I presume you're not. I'm not, no. So we'll stick to that. I've read, and and I thought this was quite interesting, that you've said that you don't like raising babies, but you raised two babies. Yeah. So what do you mean by that (laughs) as a mom? Whoa. Just because I'm a woman, and I discovered this going through the process of Mm -hmm. becoming a mother, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean that I enjoy raising babies. And that's a fact. And I think if you were to talk honestly with a lot of women who have gone through that challenging time, you Mm -hmm. would find a lot of women hopefully admitting and being honest with themselves that, you know, like that wasn't all that much fun overall. Mm. Like really it, it, it wasn't. And, but I think there are also a lot of women who then probably love raising babies, but have challenges with older kids Mm. because it's just not their forte for whatever reason. Right. They maybe identify with the babies and how you need to nurture a baby, but they find it more challenging with older kids. So I, I think it falls into that whole scheme too, that just, just because I'm a woman and just because I'm a mom Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that all of this stuff comes magically naturally to me. Like it, it it doesn't, it's a hard ass job and it is a thankless job. Like those little people suck every ounce of your energy and they never say thank you. Figuratively and literally. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. They they suck your body dry when they're newborns. They just take and take and take. Mm-hmm. And the only thanks you get is their smell, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Baby smell is amazing. And when they coo and they giggle <laughs> and they do those cute little things... But in the life of a newborn, those, you know, I mean, like there are very few moments when you get to just really enjoy your baby because most of the time you're exhausted. Right. Your your body is sore. Because you're not getting a full eight hours at this point now. No. I'm not a parent, clearly, but. You mean me? Am I? Yeah. Like you're not getting an eight hour sleep with a newborn. Oh, with a newborn. Absolutely yeah. not. No, no, you're no. You're just, you're on Far baby time. from it. You are, you are literally a slave to the tiny person. Yeah. And I'm not kidding at all. Like anything the little tiny person 
person needs, you need to give it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you also have a lot of help from your partner. And that's a sure. huge part of it. Um, but as the as the woman, you know, you're the one who has to make it with your body. Mm-hmm. And when the baby comes out, if if you're breastfeeding, um, you you're the primary caregiver and right. you're up at night and you are you're that baby is on you all the time and it is so much work and it is exhausting and it is mentally physically and emotionally draining why do you think it's been romanticized into this stereotype where all women have to love it because it's this sacred bond between baby and mom and and i think there is something special about that i'm not knocking that but certainly it's romanticized and it's over time and now Women, I think, are starting to have the discussion about like, hey, wait a second. You know, it's not all flowers and rainbows. Sure. You know, it is a magical process and it's it's mind boggling that our bodies can do this. Mm -hmm. And I feel so honored that my and so really thankful that my body was able to do this because not every woman physically can and and she may want to. And that is its own difficult challenge. Mm -hmm. So I'm so thankful that I was able to do it. Um, but I, I think it's also important to have the real discussion of, you know, because you've gone through it doesn't magically make you enjoy it. You know, it doesn't mean that then you're like, oh, this is great. I just love having a baby so much. I love having no social life and, mm-hmm. you know, being depressed because I've had no sleep. And that's that's the reality. Yeah. And as a complete outsider to all this, I would also I would add that just because you don't enjoy every aspect of it doesn't make you a bad mom or a bad person. That's exactly it. And it also doesn't mean that you don't love your child. That's mm-hmm. also a very interesting part of it. I mean, in the middle of having these tiny, tiny people who were taking all of my energy <laughs> yeah. and really, you know, in a lot of ways, taking a lot of my happiness when I was having those dark days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still would have stepped in front of a bus for them. Which right. is the which speaks to the incredible nature of being a mom, you know, and and really being a parent because I know my husband would have stepped in front of, bu- of a bus for them too, and he was also exhausted in front of a bus for them or because of them. <laughs> for them, okay, just for to want to clarify. Yeah, no, on a very dark day, <laughs> and you know, to be real about depression, that is a potential too. And I'm not I wasn't, making fun of that. It's, no, yeah. no, but I mean, for me, thankfully, I, I wasn't ever there. But I, sure. I definitely, I had this. I had this intense love for them, even though it was, you know, a very challenging time. I've had a few women on the show that talk about this idea of mommy guilt, and they've all kind of had different takes on it. Was this something that you also experienced as well or do experience? No, I don't think that's something that I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living in Saskatoon. I was really fortunate enough to feel like at the time I could take some extra time off and I didn't have to rush back to work after having our second child. Okay. I was so exhausted. I was like, I can't, I can't be doing, you know, doing the, the baby thing. Sure. Um, And then also trying to do a full-time job. And I felt like I really just want to take some time and just chill out as much as possible and have no schedule and just be at home with the kids. Because Mm -hmm. as much as on a lot of days, I felt like I wanted to leave the house and be like, (laughs) I'm out of here. Peace. I got to go do something and talk to adults and not have to change diapers. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we could, with my husband working... Uh, you know, we didn't have tons of money to throw around, but we were able to, with a lower cost of living in Saskatoon, we were able to, you know, make it by on his one income mm. for that extra length of time so that I didn't have to feel, you know, pressured sure. to go back to a full-time job right away and try and earn more money for the family. So mm-hmm. I maybe that might be where some of the mummy guilt comes from. Um, I'm not really sure because like I said, I haven't, I didn't feel that. I just felt like for me, I have to make this decision for me to be able to stay sane. 
even though sometimes being at home with two young children makes you insane. <laughs> but overall, yeah. I'm really glad that I did it because I I felt like I could at least just focus on the one thing and just be in it and like, okay, I'm here and I'm doing this and this is all I'm doing right now. Yeah, love and, that. And I really felt like, okay, this is... This is it. I'm I'm all in. I'm just going to do this for right now and I'm going to ride the wave. Totally. Yeah. I have I have a friend who him and his wife just had their second baby in basically a year, like back to back. Whoa. And that's so, intense. Right. So I was checking in with him and was just like, how's everything going? Yeah. Are you OK? Yeah. And his response and he's you know, he's working, too. And obviously a, a lot of the stuff during the day is on the mom. But his response was just like, it's a fucking disaster. He's like, yeah. I, I go to work and that's a refuge for me. And yes. then the work's almost over. And I'm like, oh God, I have to go back to this nightmare. Yes. <laughs> and he added, but I love, like, I love the babies and like, it is super rewarding. But he's just saying that him and his wife, their life is chaos. It, it, chaos. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. is. And they, obviously they want to be there. They do enjoy some aspects of it. And the, the aspects of it that they enjoy are the most rewarding parts, but certainly just his frank honesty of like, yeah. it's, a, it's a fucking disaster. It's like, a fuck- <laughs> and I think people now, I think parents now are starting to be more honest about that. Yeah, we should be. Yes, we should be honest with each other about how hard all of this stuff is, because it is. Now, you have two boys. Yeah. And you seem like a very strong, independent woman. You're not going to fall into traditional gender stereotypes or at least not advocate for stuff like that. Do you think gender roles are still strongly held in our society? I think so. I Hmm. think it's easy to sort of fall into them without even really being aware of it. You know, I hear some couples where it's a man and a woman and they sometimes, you know, they'll talk about, oh, well, you know, complain about having to do the cooking when the other partner is better at it. And it's like, well, why doesn't the other partner just do the cooking? You know, just because he's a guy, if he's better at cooking, he should cook. And if you hate cooking, you should mow the lawn. Right. You know, I think I think there's a lot of that is, that are happens. The, are those the rules? Because I suck at everything. <laughs> so I'll just let the other person do everything. <laughs> okay. You might want to get some skills in okay. some department. This is why I'm single right Make now. Make you I a little bit skills. more marketable. Get some life skills. But, but don't feel like it needs to be, I need to be good at mowing the lawn and and fixing the tap if it's broken. Right. It it could be anything. Maybe you're good at sewing and fixing clothes. Maybe maybe you're good at making the schedule for the kids. Mm. Maybe, you know, even you're a man, but maybe, you know, maybe you're good at grocery shopping and meal planning. I don't know. Sure. You know, don't I I think a lot of times men and women in heterosexual partnerships end up sort of just like I said, falling into these various roles without yeah. necessarily consciously doing it mm-hmm. and then feeling stuck in them. Um, when, you know, really, I think a partnership, no matter if you're a man and a woman or two men or two women, you're you need to de- find a way to divide the labor mm-hmm. as evenly as possible, because that's what's going to make your partnership the best that it can be. Sure. One of these, we can call it a gender role or a societal expectation, a default, which we don't think about or don't question, is how women are expected to hide any semblance of body hair. Ah. And you've talked about this. (laughs) Yeah. And you've really grappled with where you stand on this. I have. I don't see any hairy arms. But give me me a rundown of where where you are with this body hair struggle. Well, I've started to grow some serious five o'clock shadows in my armpits and my legs lately okay. just because I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I like, <laughs> why do I need to shave every goddamn day? Sure. You know, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Um, And a lot of that has just been me feeling okay with having like, see, I'm clean shaven right now. So I, this is a bad example. I can't like flash you my five o'clock shadow legs or anything. No, they, look, they look smooth. <laughs> and I do love smooth legs. Sure. I love the way it feels. But part of me also feels like, you know, if I keep shaving my legs and my armpits and everything, then I'm just, 
I, you know, I'm I, like, I'm just kind of contributing to this whole idea that women should be hairless or something, which doesn't seem right because we're not. This is a political stand. Well, yeah, it's 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 sort of like a fuck. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And also. Yeah. You know, and if I don't want to do this all the time, then I should just not do this all the time. Why am I doing it? I'm a, you know, I'm in charge of my own person here. I can make these decisions. Sure. So if I decide, I decide. Yeah. That should be it. Yeah. I like that. You know, you do you. Yes, I lo- yes, I so strongly believe in you doing you, really, to my core. When we, you know, when we talk about these gender roles and roles that people default into and expectations whether in relationships or just in in general individually, I feel like women are starting to adopt masculine traits, things like being strong or being a boss, being Independent, these traditionally masculine traits, I should say, just yes. to clarify. But I don't know if men have been adopting quote unquote traditionally feminine stereotypes or, or traits, things like nurturing or sensitivity. And I feel like this is most apparent when you see kitschy clothing that men and women will wear. Like you will see the girl who's wearing something that says like boss bitch or (laughs) beast mode, right? Something, you know, conveying strength. But you'll never see a dude wearing like (laughs) self-care or rosé all day. Like you won't see that Vulnerability. Right? Yeah. You're you're right. I would wear that shirt though, vulnerability. I'm a fan of that. It's a good one. Yeah. Vulnerability is- That's that's her second shirt. Underrated. Yes, that's it. That's (laughs) shirt number two. (laughs) Only in men's sizes. It's only for men. But do you think that's like, why do you think that is? Why do you think, because there's nothing wrong with those stereotypical feminine traits. I think those traits are great too. Yes. Yes. But there's like adoption one way, but not necessarily the other way. Yeah. And I think it's hopefully starting to happen. Mm -hmm. I think pat leave is an example of that. Paternity leave. Okay. Yeah. Um. I I think that's kind of the beginning of it. But you know what? Paternity leave is not, you know, not a lot of men are taking up that opportunity. Well, according to my friend, because that's that's his refuge. Yeah. So, <laughs> Work is his refuge. Well, that's, well, that's exactly it. Part of it is because, you know, maybe maybe the, the dads don't want to have the paternity. They're like, oh, my God, I need to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, women feel too. Sure. You know, yeah. like I'm telling you, when I had a three week old baby, my first one who wasn't sleeping, I would have paid thousands of dollars to leave the house for eight hours yeah. and go and talk to adults and not have to change diapers. Like, mm-hmm. believe me, I would have done that. Um, so that's part of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think I think that also highlights how hard that is how hard it is to raise children mm-hmm. and what it what an incredibly difficult job it is um so i i think the more that men do take on that responsibility hopefully mm-hmm. um of helping to really like get in there and raise the kids like get make meals you know clean the bathrooms sure um figure out what they're going to have in their lunch and make sure that it's not just a Twinkie and a granola bar. I mean, as long as if you can afford to do more than that, then, sure, you know, absolutely, yeah. do more than that. Um, and I'm just thinking of the dad that's going to open up a bag of chips and just yeah, pour and it into the lunchbox. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that doesn't count. You know, yeah. like really get in there and take the job seriously because mm-hmm. it is a serious job mm-hmm. and it requires a lot of work. And, and that's one of those things that's been undervalued. That traditional women's work has been undervalued yeah. forever. <clears throat> It's like, oh, yeah, she's just at home with the kids. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, at home with the kids, it is one of the hardest jobs in the world. Yeah, also the job that's perpetuating this whole species. Yeah, so, you know, just that one. So the more that I think men get in there and really start doing that, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that'll that'll help yeah. with with the whole idea of, of men starting to move more into some of those more uh, feminine roles and and uh, and portraying more quote unquote feminine stereotypical mm-hmm. ways of being. And I think you kind of you nailed it right there in terms of 
a lot of these traits, and even outside of parenting, but a lot of these traits, whether it is sensitivity, vulnerability, self-care, whatever, are perhaps historically and stereotypically undervalued. Yes. Because I think I'm a firm believer that there is power in vulnerability and some of you know life's most meaningful moments come in moments of vulnerability. And you can't always have your shield up and your guard up. And I think what you said is right, that we've just undervalued those things. So that, So we've overvalued things that have been masculine traits, and that's why you see that greater shift over that way. Yeah. But perhaps not the shift the other way. Yeah, because just... all of that stuff that's been traditionally done by women mm-hmm. has never really been been looked upon as terribly important in society. Right. And worth honoring. Yeah. And worth paying attention to and and worth being. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean it's a it's a huge important job. And someone's gotta do it. Sure. And it doesn't always have to be the woman. Yeah. I mean, she's got to make the baby. You know, the women have to make the baby still. Unfortunately, we haven't got to junior with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Believe me, I wish we would. I mean, seriously, I think the the great equalizer in this world would be if men could could give birth and get pregnant. I think if not even men, male birth control. You're saying just no, go all I mean, the way like, with it. No, I mean, if men could get pregnant and have babies, that's the equalizer. That is the equalizer right there. Yeah, you know, I mean, if if that happens things could change real where does fast. it come out of the man i don't know you'd have to <laughs> call up arnie i think it's a like early 90s movie called junior where yes, he gets yeah. pregnant yeah. right emma thompson's in that one great right. love emma thompson is he did a bunch of films with danny devito was danny devito in that one too i can't remember he might have been he might have been. it was right around that time yeah 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 I just, I just need to know where it comes out of before <laughs> I sign on to this, okay? <laughs> so speaking of masculinity, masculine traits, boyish traits, I hear your sons have a very masculine song that they wrote, that they wrote and perform <laughs> all by themselves. Oh, are you referring to penis? That's the one. <laughs> penis. <laughs> yeah, that is the song. You know, I they haven't sung that one in some time, but okay. woo, it's a doozy. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I don't even know. I don't know where they come with this stuff. Did they did it, did it come soon after one of them or perhaps both of them learned the word penis or did it just or did they, had they already known it and then they just started singing about it? One I, I think they just started singing about it because we've always raised them with the correct anatomical name for all of the parts. Sure. You know, they have a penis. I have a vagina. I've even gone into like vulva. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. They we, know more than most men. Yes, we're going. I really I get very clinical. Yeah. Um, I was talking to them about periods when they were like two and three years old. Wow. Because they were asking me about my paraphernalia. I'm like, oh, what's all this stuff, mom? I'm like, well, that's for a period. And I've told them about what happens with can a you period. Explain to me, can you explain to me a period as you would <laughs> you to your know? children? As you would to your children. Mo, would you like me to explain Please. to you what menstruation is? Please. <laughs> <laughs> the way you'd explain it to your children. I'd just be curious. I have no idea how you would broach that subject. Um, okay. Uh, how have I described it to them before? Uh, well, every month... A woman's body, like we have a uterus inside mm-hmm. of us, and that's where the baby grows. Okay. Um, and so every month, if there's if there's no baby that's growing inside the uterus, then the lining of the uterus sheds, and and it comes out, and it's it's bloody, and and it comes out of the vagina and bleed for you know whatever it could be around a week. You know, varies for some women. Sometimes it's a few days. Sometimes it's a little over a week. And you have to soak up that blood somehow. You have to catch it or else it goes all over your clothes. Right. And, you know, it's not a very comfortable thing to be walking around having blood soaking into all of your clothes. So you have to have some way of capturing it so you can then, you know, stay clean during the day. And is this how you explain it to your two-year-olds? Legit. Did they get it? Yeah, and you well, and and I mean the thing Not is, obviously is, every detail, but they got the general. No, but you know, I I I would describe it to them like that, and they'd be like, oh yeah, 
Okay. All right. So anyway, where's my Lego? For real. Yeah. And then we move on. And then a question, something like that may come up six months down the road. Mm -hmm. And so then I just answer it just like I described to you. And then... We literally, we just move on. Like, it's not a big thing. Yeah. There. I think it's that's just... so cool because it is a natural bodily function. So why not, you know, why put so much taboo and shroud so much mystery around it? That's exactly it. And it's interesting, actually, hearing from people who go into schools and, and talk, uh, you know, about body health and stuff like that to mm-hmm. elementary school students. The way they describe it, um, and I think it's really great, is little kids are body scientists, Right. They just want the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. That's all they want. Yeah. So when they ask questions about, well, you know, what's this part of my body or, you know, what is what is that? What's a pad or what's a tampon or what's a diva cup? You know, Mm -hmm. just honestly giving them the facts like this is these are the facts. Yeah. That's all they're looking for. And I like that that's how you when, when you gave me that detailed rundown of what a period was. Yeah. You kept it to the fact. You didn't like cutesy it up with, you know, fairies or unicorns or pelicans or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like you (laughs) explained it very clearly. Yeah. And I I mean, I think that's all they're looking for. I know that's all I wanted when I was a kid. I just wanted to know what exactly is this? I don't know. I mean, kids are learning everything about the world around them and there's so much to learn and they're so curious. Yeah. So, you know, the the moment you kind of make stuff mysterious and you don't really talk about it mm-hmm. or you talk around it all the time, then it sort of makes it a bit of a taboo thing when it doesn't really need to be. Right. And and in, I I'm I'm sorry we're still talking about periods, but No, Mo, I could talk about periods all day, <laughs> dude. Don't but worry about it. But also the idea of <laughs> Of saying that it's a period, not my monthly visitor or Aunt yeah. Flo or yeah. dressing it up like that, right? Like, why Why wouldn't you just say yeah. that it's that? It's a unicorn in a red coat. <laughs> no, it's called menstruation. But your kids aren't making songs about tampons. No, they're not. Yeah. it's, the, it's No, it's because, penises. you know, I mean, for them, what they have mm-hmm. is the most fascinating because sure. they see it every day. And, you know, you can pull on it like, holy mo, let me tell you, before I had boys, I had no idea how durable penises were. Like, I swear to God, I thought you could actually injure a penis. I don't think you can injure a penis anymore. The way that they would just like tie it in knots and stuff. It's like, what? How did, how did you even do that? Like, how how are Wait, you doing this right a, now? Who tied their penis into a knot? OK, it's maybe a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> But, you know, for them, sure. it's like that's their body and that's what they know. Yeah. So I, I don't have any girls, but I would imagine that that girls would probably be most fascinated with what they have. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Whatever that may be. Has there been a subject that just because it hasn't come up, you haven't broached with them yet? No, when I I try really I I, I try really hard whenever they ask a question about literally anything, Mm -hmm. I want to have an answer for them. And 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 if I don't know the answer, I'll say, you know what? Honestly, I don't know. Mm -hmm. We could look it up. I don't have the answer for that. We could Google it. We could ask somebody who might know. I'm not sure, but I can't answer that for you right now. But for for anything that I feel like I do have somewhat of an answer. I I I answer the question. Yeah. Just as you would for a very mundane question about dinosaurs or yeah, whatever exactly. else. Yeah. yeah. I think that's like, a really cool approach. Yeah, like how did Whitney Houston die? And I I told them. Oof, that's heavy. I know. They asked you that? Yes, I'm driving to school. Why would they care I, about Whitney Houston? Well, that's because, not mm, we were driving to school and a Whitney Houston song was on. I was about to drop them off at school. And so I'm yeah. singing along because it was amazing. And and they're like, who's this, mom? I said, well, it's Whitney Houston. Oh, yeah. who's Whitney Houston? And they wanted to know all about Whitney Houston. Yeah. And so it came up that she had died. Oh. I was like, oh, well, how did she die? It's like kids are so curious. Sometimes yeah, their course. questions are never ending, which and, you know, sometimes it's not a great time, like driving them to school. <laughs> You know, it's the last time you think that you're going to be explaining to your child about how Whitney Houston died. Um, yeah. Have a great day at school. That's here's, exactly Here's what a drug it. overdose is. Have a great Literally, day at school. Yeah. I th- and that's what I said. I was like, you know what? She, 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 unfortunately, she took too many drugs and, and she died. Hmm. Um, and so she's, she's no longer here. Um, and it was, you know, it's really sad. 
Yeah. And they were like, yeah, that's too bad. Man. Okay, well, okay, bye. Have a great day at school. <laughs> you know, and that was it. And like that, it's just literally it happens that quickly. And they'll throw questions at you like you are not ready for them at all. Yeah. It's very challenging. <laughs> Does this help at, at work? Being able to answer all sorts of questions, rapid fire. Yeah, probably. I you imagine mean, like it does. on on the radio program uh, on air on with your Jack with your employees. Um. Yeah, probably. I hadn't really thought of it. I feel like it would. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I also feel like because you are so straight with them, you're you maybe don't fall in the pits of someone like me who like would just baby talk kids. Like I talked to them and I, I remember I was talking to one of my friend's kids and I was doing a silly voice and my friend's like, why are you talking to them in that voice? <laughs> why are you putting on the weird voice? Yeah. And I almost imagine that if you were doing that all day, you'd start to talk to adults that way. Too. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Right? Or, may, or maybe your brain just switches when you're talking to a little person. You do that. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but you know what? You never know until you have your own kids, too. Right. Yeah. That's the other thing. You had a podcast. Yeah. And you talked about a lot of this stuff on that podcast. I did, yeah. You stopped it. And then I you did. come out of nowhere. You come back. You drop a couple episodes. You don't even acknowledge that you were gone for a year. What is, <laughs> is the Karis report back? What's happening? Oh, it's not back. No, sometimes I'll, I'll throw out some old episodes, some of my favorite ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I haven't done a new podcast in a little over a year now. Okay. And not because I didn't like doing it. I loved making the Karis Report podcast. Uh It was so much fun. It was like just like you, you have a podcast. It's fun. You can kind of make it what you want. Totally. Which is so awesome. Right. You know, creatively, it's such a great thing. Um, But with, you know, life and uh, my day job, it's pretty hard to find the time. Mm -hmm. So these... These are re-releases that you're putting out. They're yes. not new episodes. They're not new, no. And maybe one day I will I will make the Karis Report again. But right now, I definitely just don't have the time to do it. Sure. Because if people did want to hear you, they could hear you on Jeff, Karis, and Paul. That's right. Jack 96.9 FM. That's right. JCP. It starts at the ungodly hour of 5.30 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on your first year, by the way. Thank you That's so awesome. much. Yeah, Did we've actually, by? oh, it flew by so fast. I mean, when I've been here now in Vancouver back again for exactly a year, um, but we haven't been, Jeff Karras and Paul, we haven't been a show on Jack until like our year anniversary is coming up at the end of August, beginning of September. Okay, cool. So we haven't even really been a show for a year yet, but it has been fantastic. Yeah. So much fun. I'm just loving it. It seems like you guys are having a lot of fun on it. Yeah, we really, really are. What is it about the morning spot that makes it such a good fit for you? Because this is like your third morning show. Yes. I think that the combination of information and craziness really suits my personality I think it's just it's such a great fit because I love I love the news you know I did actually broadcast journalism at BCIT Mm -hmm. so I I mean I I love that in the intro I know I was so (laughs) impressed and you were listing stuff I was like oh my god I did that oh yeah he knows that too amazing so I, I come from that sort of news, you know, I, I grew up in a family of news junkies. And so mm-hmm. that's part of who I am. And I love knowing what's going on. And, and I love sharing information, mm-hmm. topical stuff. Um, but I'm also not a terribly serious person. Mm. And I love being irreverent. And I love fun. And I love wackiness. And that is morning radio. Yeah. Um, just, just chill out and be weird mm-hmm. essentially <laughs> i do and i love that duality of yours because you are a great commercial voice news presenter voice thank you and it's very professional and very great to listen to but you are also very silly and fun and you guys are always doing crazy things i, I was i was listening to the naked bike 
yeah. race or <laughs> yeah. tour or whatever Paul, it was. Yes, Paul went down to the naked bike ride. Yeah. And uh, yes, and, and that is exactly, that is the show. Yeah. Which totally suits my personality. I love that. Because that's actually what I try to do here, where I have some episodes that are super serious and I have some that are super silly and fun and some that are in the middle because I feel like that's just life and to constantly be in a box all the time and especially for a morning radio show to start yeah. your day like yeah. you don't have to start your day super serious all the time no or it's, always have be like pump up music to start your day all yeah, the time it's right? nice to have a mix yeah totally i agree what time are you up in the morning if you have to if you're starting at 5 30 um, and you're and you obviously like it's not like you w- stroll in and go on air right away I no imagine, right? i'm at work at quarter to five okay and what time are you up? Uh, a little before three. Are, I mean, are we sorry, close to before your four. We're... No, sorry, a little before four. <laughs> okay. What am I saying? I don't know. It's all the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> I get up in the middle of the night, essentially. Yeah. Before four. Before four, and uh, and then yeah, and then I I just I start uh, prepping, reading news. I mean, really, I my prep starts the night before, really. I, sure. You know, or during the day when I'm reading the news, I'll you know I'll jot some stuff down. Um, and then into the evening. So mm-hmm. sort of just throughout the day, keep on top of what's going on and make some notes. And then I really start heavily getting into all that stuff. Then when I get to work at about quarter to five. Right. What time do you have to go to bed? Like how uh, close are we to your bedtime right now? Well, thankfully. No, it's Friday night. It's Friday it's night. It's Friday night. So <laughs> I'm going to let my hair down. <laughs> I'll probably stay up till midnight. It's going to be wild. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, but on a school night, yeah, I'd go to sleep at. I'm exhausted enough generally by nine o'clock for yeah, sure. Fair I mean, sometimes it's more like 930, but I aim for nine. Okay, cool. Do you feel like there are things that you could have gotten away with 10 years ago on a morning show in Vancouver that you simply could not get away with today? Yes. Such as? Um, most of the things we did on the Jeff O'Neill show. <laughs> <laughs> They're not paying for lap dances at uh, uh, Jack FM? No. No? No. That was another YouTube clip I saw. That was uh, better than the news clip, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that was even more fun. Uh, yep, yeah, or um, buying heroin. Um, you bought heroin? Yeah, that was- On the Jeff O'Neill show? Yeah, I, yeah. Well, Let's I get didn't. this. I didn't buy heroin. Okay. But- Are you saying that for legal reasons? Well, I Well, I mean, this is public record, so- uh, <laughs> Sure. Yeah, like when Jeff, Scott- and I were on the Jeff O'Neill show. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, Scotty put on a beaver costume and he went to the downtown east side and he bought heroin just to Whoa. just to prove how easy it was to do. Whoa. Yeah. It was how quickly can a man in did a beaver costume buy heroin? It did make the news. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. And actually, we did get in trouble for doing that. Yeah. Um, the, the, the point was, hey, it's really easy to buy heroin in the city. A man no, in I a beaver it, costume can go out and do it. Yeah. I think that um, is a fascinating point. But I certainly but don't we, see. We, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. That, that happening today. That would happen today. No. Wow. Okay. So strippers, heroin. What? Anything else that comes to mind that maybe you couldn't get away with today? <laughs> Oh boy, um, not off the top of my head. I mean, I I think I think mostly it's just, you know, I, we probably also swore sometimes. I mean, not mm-hmm. really, but you know, just the language that we used was was maybe a little more uh, rock and roll, but it was on the air, and sure. I I don't know, you know, that that stuff doesn't really. You know, you can't really do that mm-hmm. anymore, I don't think. I think there's words that radio or otherwise you can't say or anymore. Yeah, right? like our language just, has changed, yeah. which it should. Mm-hmm. You know, language should evolve because words have power. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes sense that it's different. I think for me it's fascinating because, and I, I'm a firm believer the language always evolves and social customs always evolve. So things like this don't, I know there's some people that are like, ah, oh, free speech, blah, blah, blah. But I just think that's the natural evolution of things. But for me, it's just fascinating 
to see how it evolves. And in 10 years, I think there is a fair amount of difference of what you can say and what you can't say. Yes. Jokes you can make and jokes you can't make anymore. Absolutely. And that also reflects what we find funny and what we don't find funny as well. Yes. And I think it's really interesting, too, to see how um, how our humor has evolved. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I look back at movies that in the 1980s as a kid, you know, 80s, 1980s comedies. So rapey. Oh, yeah. Like just yeah. so much. So homophobic. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so much sexual harassment and just, yeah. you know, in the name of humor. But it's different now. You mm-hmm. know, you look at you watch those movies and you think, oh, my God, that does not stand the test of time. Like that yeah. was funny then, but it's not funny now. Yeah. And that's good. I think that shows evolution. Yeah. And it shouldn't. And if you enjoyed that stuff back then, it doesn't make you bad. No. Or it doesn't even make the piece bad, I would say. It was just of that culture at that time. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right? There's a there's a funny YouTube series called Zach Morris's Trash, and it goes through different Saved by the Bell episodes, and it shows just how he was, like, so he scummy. Was such a trashy guy. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. need to look that and up. And a lot of it is around, like, him putting women in precarious positions. Yeah, I, <laughs> which I, I don't doubt it. Which we saw as kids. Yes. And we enjoyed it. Yes, and it was, oh, Zach Morris. Ha. Yeah. by the bell. He was not Great. a villain. He was not a creep. No. He was a cool guy. He was the <laughs> affable cool guy. Yeah. That's quite interesting. Do you still get to meet celebrities in your line of work, in your morning show? Uh, yeah, from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not so far this year. I mean, no, no huge names. Um, you met Bret Hart. Oh yes, definitely big. Bret Hart. So I, I'm not sure what we're uh, like. What what level of stardom we're oh, talking about? I, like, fair enough. They're we're not talking A list, like you know Hollywood people. But yeah, oh yeah, Bret Hart came into the studio. He was great. What was that? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. You, you heard that too, I, right? Oh yeah, I heard it that. It wasn't just in my head. No, we're Bing good? Bong. Okay. <laughs> Bong. Sorry, Bret Hart. Yes, Bret Hart. Yeah. Bret Hart, great guy. Cool. Yeah, it was really nice meeting him. I would love to meet him. He was like one, I mean, I think when when you grow up as a kid, as a boy particularly, you really are drawn to sports idols and heroes. So, you know, for me, Bure, Trevor Linden, obviously, but I was also a big wrestling fan and Bret Hart was definitely like the guy. Yeah. But I feel like... Maybe he got a little salty with his in his old age. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't say that I know him personally, mm-hmm. um, but from but he was nice from yeah from the time he you know he came in and we had a really nice chat and uh, he was here for the March of Dimes uh, a charity show. Oh, cool for that! And so he was hosting it, and we were there, and we were hosting it too. Um, and yeah, he, I mean, he he seemed like a, a nice guy. Cool talking about some old stories of him wrestling, which was interesting, you know, all the crazy stuff that they did in the 80s. Fun fact, he won his first WWF championship in Saskatoon. Did he really? Do you know who he beat? No. Ric Flair. Wow. Yeah, that's a big match in Saskatoon. That's a big moment. Totally. Right? Yes. Surprised there's no no statue. There should be. Of him putting flair in the sharpshooter. (laughs) Maybe there is somewhere and I just didn't see it. I got to look that up. We got to make a proposal to Saskatoon City Council. Yeah, to make some kind of a statue. Heritage moment. A Canadian (laughs) heritage moment. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's it right there. (laughs) I I just want to end on these celebrity encounters. So was there an absolute worst celebrity counter you've had in your career I don't think I've had any horrible experiences. I think, honestly, my most, the most impressed I was, was with Ron McLean. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, and, and I mean, like, it was fun. This I remember we interviewed Mark Wahlberg once, and that was really cool because it was Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ron McLean was, it was amazing how he was able to come into the room and instantly know all of who we were, know our names, um, and talk to us like he had known us for quite some time. Like I was just really blown away with his ability to 
instantly connect with us and and talk to us like he'd known us for a while and really knew us. And actually, mm-hmm. he pronounced my name correctly after hearing it only once, and that blew me away too. I was like, Ron, <laughs> no one's no one says my name correctly after only hearing it once. Like it was how do crazy. you say it? Karis. I've been saying it right. Yes. Right? Okay. Oh, yes. Okay, good. Yes. But, I've you also know, been he... listening to you for years. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you and you prepped this. Like, of Ron course. McClain yeah. came into the studio and he was, you know, handed a piece of paper like, here are the people you are talking to today. Right. And he looked at it and he was like, oh, hi, Karis. What? <laughs> How did you do that? Yeah. And, but yeah, he was just, he was such a personal great guy. So that sounds like a great celebrity encounter, but no, no terrible ones. No, uh... nothing that stands out. No, no, nothing that uh, left me feeling. That's pretty good. I know. Yeah, Yeah. nothing that left me feeling disappointed. You still have a long career ahead of you. Totally, I have so much time to be disappointed. (laughs) It may still happen. Fingers crossed for you. Yeah, the year we're halfway through the year. It could still happen. It could. Our time's up. That's it. Can you believe it? No, I can't. It just flew by. It totally flew by. How do people get more Karis Hog? Where do people go to get more Karis Hog? What do they do? Well, uh, like you had mentioned, Jeff Karis Paul on Jack 96.9 FM in the mornings, weekday mornings, 530 to 9. You can hear me there. Also, uh, karisreport.com if you want to listen to my podcasts. I'm on Instagram at Karis Hog and Twitter at Karis Hog. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here. I had a lot of fun. I feel like I learned a lot. And any time that I need to explain what a period is to a child. <laughs> yeah, call me up. I feel like I'm ready. I got it. <laughs> I got this ready to go. That's right. You don't even need to call me now. You know how to do I it. I know how to do it <laughs> for whenever I need to do that. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mo. It was really, really awesome to meet you. It was a it was a pleasure. So and, much and fun. So much fun. And you know what? Resist 2010, bitches. Ow! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, weekday mornings on Jack 96.9 FM. Catch the loveliest part of Jeff, Karis, and Paul. She's my new friend. She is Karis Hogg. And I am Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. <laughs>